This week on The Reverse Stick, Wales women head coach Kevin Johnson joins us to talk hockey. We also have the wash up from the Pro League and Matt's going to keep laughing in the background (laughs) with The Reverse Stick. Podcast. My name's John Lee. Your name's Matt Allen. I know, I've already been introduced. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. More giggling tonight. Show we'll one or two. Well, we'll get through it. We're going to have somehow, won't we? 102. If you don't laugh, John, you're going to cry. Yeah, well, you, you'll be crying if you're watching Australia play cricket at the moment, that's for sure. You'd be crying if you're a John Lee supporter or if you watch the TRS shootout. 100 uh, that appeared on YouTube in between our last show and this one. Uh, a lot of feedback. I'm going to have a little look actually, John, and see what the numbers are like on that. Yeah, uh, the numbers are you cheated. It was trending. Uh, I noticed there was uh, a link from uh, the Tassie Tigers for the new Hockey One One League. Um, oh, was it? Towards the Perth Thundersticks. We were invited down, and I said, well, we haven't been selected yet. Um, but uh, the Thundersticks were, were added in with the, uh, the YouTube video footage of our shootout we might still be within a shout mate well I, I think between you and I and Tatey the Thundersticks <laughs> could could almost sign us up as a shootout specialist well if Tatey makes it then we certainly we should. should yeah that's right but, uh, great to have you here dear listener for show 102 John we're going to kick off with a bit of business to start with so, so we'll have yeah. to get later on in the show apparently some people still um, listen to podcasts on Apple Podcasts um, and there is an opportunity on there to rate and review so right. if you can get on and give us five stars or four stars, we'd even go for three stars. That'd be all right. But just something on there. There haven't been any um, reviews stars for about stars. a year or on a lot of things, and there's nothing in South Africa. Um, so, yeah, you know, if you could do that, folks, that would be really good. We'd appreciate that. And if not, just tell a friend. Or, you know, on the way to hockey, chuck the Reverse Stick podcast on and uh, make them listen to it. And, of course... tie them down and point them in the direction of all of our social media accounts YouTube Facebook Instagram and Twitter all at the reverse stick yeah the insta thing's a bit beyond me Mate, you, what's happened? You've, it's really funny, I'm getting some... You know what, I, I said to my daughter the <laughs> other day, I said to her, it, this is true, about, oh, Matt, Matt's got, like, us on WhatsApp, and, and, and he started Instagram, and I, I should, you know, get on there and progress. And she looked up, you know how teenagers sort of dip their head a little <laughs> bit, look underneath their eyebrows, and she's just looked at me going, Dad... You've still got numbers at the end of your Twitter page. <laughs> well, that's nice that she's noticed that you're on. And you know you can change that. Well, apparently you can. Yeah, yeah, this you is can. what I'm led to believe. Um, but, yeah, I know, I know when I'm getting a message from you from the, from the PC or getting it from the phone, uh, because I can read what I get from the PC. <laughs> no, oh, John's out and about. He's got a new smartphone, ladies and gentlemen. He's experimenting. So if you see any tweets that um, <laughs> perhaps don't quite make sense, uh, just he's out and about. He's on the phone. Bless him. I've got. Have you, have I've you got, got much the your fingers than I thought. Have you got all the assistive things on there with the the, the bigger words showing up? <laughs> <laughs> You're not far from the truth. <laughs> you. And, uh, well, post Pro League, post Hockey Series Finals. Oh, it's been a bit of a, not, a come down, a bit of a come been. down. Oh, we, a we, things yeah, we, we got club games in last weekend, but then we've got a bye this weekend. So, from missing all the international stuff from last weekend, and it's almost like a two week break, isn't it? It's, it's Apart from having to sit opposite each other. Yeah. Uh, 
And I lost. Yeah, yeah, oh, look, yeah. a couple of things have gone on over the uh, the last week or so. Um, there was some test matches between Austria and Wales. Yep. Men's, I believe. Yep. 4th to the 7th of July in Vienna. Uh, in the first game, it was a draw, one all. Then Austria got up 3-2 in the second game and again got up in the third game there. 2-1 uh, to take that little series. John, means nothing to me. What? Where'd they play it? Vienna. It means nothing to oh. me. Yeah, moving on. Yeah, yeah, please do. If you actually got that joke, get in touch with the podcast and just pat Matt on the head and say, I got it, mate. Okay. Stop uh, there, were also t- there were also test matches in Singapore on the night to the 14th. What's the date today? Oh, they're ongoing. They've only played two of them as we go to air. Um, First up, uh, Singapore got over the top of Hong Kong 2-1 in the first game. And then in the second game on the 10th, it was a 3-0 victory. What date are we now? The 12th? So uh, the, it's the just, 11th. just moving into the 12th. Yeah, yeah, so there's another game coming up tomorrow as we record and again on the 14th. So uh, enjoy the series, boys. And uh, once again, the men's there. That's as far as senior hockey goes. Yeah, some plenty of under-21 stuff going on. Obviously, all the under-16 under stuff. Uh, hockey fives happened oh, yeah, uh, the Euros right. over last weekend that was like, that was streamed oh, we've sort of got to mention it it's we? mentioned that's it yeah. we'll just mention it well done for everybody yeah. great stuff for everybody involved and, and well done for participating the yeah, 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 the, yeah, yeah. yeah the players and the mums and dads yeah. the grannies and granddads I, we shouldn't sound patronising where we do it though I think the key to our being genuine is not being patronising it sounds like I think we're sounding a bit patronising because everybody knows we don't like hockey fives. Yeah, well, which what, is a bit difficult. Something, but you I've, can't been, take something it away I've been thinking of more and more, more, more and more of is that we're, we're about to move our club into this brand new fantastic facility for suiting eleven aside hockey, and uh, you can only fit one hockey fives pitch in the, in the middle of it. it. Seems wasteful, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, you should maybe go to hockey fours and fit it across Mate, two, no, two pitches across. Pa- we've been down this path. It's hockey twos, remember? Yeah, it is. Hockey twos is the way to go. Just hockey one d- one D required. Yeah, that's it. Um, so that's that's basically the major international news. A couple of things coming up. Uh, Austria and Scotland senior men's will be playing. Well, they started tomorrow. They start tomorrow, the twelfth. 13th, a couple of tests there, senior men. And then we get to the Euro Junior, Junior, Euro Junior, Junior. So the Euro Junior Championships. First up for women in Valencia. It's an under-21s tournament, that one. And more more and more in Valencia. They get a lot of international hockey in Valencia, Valencia, don't they, John? They do, as we'll be hearing from um, our guest, Kevin Johnson. Looking forward to it. A bit later on. Uh, Some test matches between Ireland and Scotland for women. That's senior women. Uh, going on in Stormont in Ireland. That's starting on the 13th to the 16th. Euro Hockey Junior 2 men are on in uh, the Czech Republic, under 21 men's outdoor, 14th to the 20th. More Euro Junior women uh, in Alanya in Turkey, under 21s. That's uh, women's championship too. Yep, mention that. Uh, the men championship that's the top championship, 15th to 21st in Valencia. Valencia. Valencia, that's going on. This is all under 21s, of course. There is, interestingly enough, the Men's Indoor Asia Cup in Chonburi in Thailand. Uh, yeah, women's is taking place at the same time, yeah. It is from indeed. The 15th. Yeah. 15th to the 21st. 
And there's also some test matches for senior women, uh, Japan and Great Britain at Hiroshima. And uh, more Euro Junior hockey towards the back end of the month, uh, the men's threes, women's, blah, blah, blah. Well, so t- there's plenty of junior stuff. Two, two points on that. There's a hell of a lot of hockey coming up in Japan, <laughs> you know, over, over, over the next six months. Yeah. Um, because everyone's looking to get out there and test out the turfs and climate and everything else, getting ready for the, for the Olympics. Um, but I find it really interesting, the, the Indoor Asia Cup. It's fantastic. I saw the Bangladesh side of, uh, were on their way to it on, on Twitter. Um, it's not something we necessarily uh, associate a great deal with Asian hockey so good that there's some indoor hockey taking place there yeah and uh, that's that's hockey with six players isn't it six aside mate yeah five on the field and a goalkeeper oh okay that sounds like a nice size format that would fit into the requirements Oh, yeah, it'd be great. Well, you know, look, if we were going to take a reduced format to the Olympics and lose our 11 a side game, then well, you'd think, think end off by... The one that's already uh, there. Sorry, six is... The incumbent, the incumbent short form, let's yeah. call it, of the game. Yeah, you'd yeah, think, you'd yeah, think yeah. that. Yeah. Right, you'd think, so. you'd, you'd think you might have mentioned that on the show before at some point. Um, yeah. Well, why why haven't we ever thought, haven't we thought of that before? Oh, I don't know. Apparently there's lots of things we haven't thought of before that are becoming self-evident. Yeah. <laughs> You're listening to The Reverse Stick, the global hockey podcast. We'll get to um, our interview with Kevin Johnson. Had a great chat with Kevin. Very interesting. Yep, just half an hour ago. Um, okay. And that's why we're running late. Thanks very much, Jonas. Were we ever on time? <laughs> no. Okay. Well, we were due to record an episode of Push Past Pundits last night, mate, weren't we? We were, but and then, then India went three for five in the World Cup. And yeah, that was and suddenly that it? nobody was available. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Next push um, past pundits episode six coming up uh, Midland next week. Is it with the, the, all the normal pundits? Uh, we hope so. Yes. Okay. Yeah, all the well. Wait, some, so some of the abnormal ones as well, John. So what well, you and I are going to be on the show? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, look, let's let's talk pro league. Mm-hmm. I think the majority of the conversation for the rest of this um, uh, podcast, except for when we're talking to Kevin, is going to be talking about themes. Based around reaction to the pro yeah, league, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, uh, because uh, we we had last week the FIH release of their statement saying the pro league had been a huge, well, a success. Did they say huge? I don't think they used the word huge or big, did they? A success, relative, uh, relative success. I don't, I'm not going to put. We're going to read all about that in a moment, John. We are. Look, we, look, we, we, look we, we gave our immediate reactions last week to it, and in the past seven days, even. Today, an article released from Ernst Bart, um, and we'll talk about that, and something in the drag flick, and, and something on yeah, Ashley been... Morrison's. Not, but yeah, there's there's been reaction, some considered reaction, shall we say, John, where people have put their thoughts down on paper rather than just you and me spouting off at the drop of the hat unscripted. Yeah, yeah. That, that's exactly right. They're, they're the thoughts of three people that um, you know have a profile within the sport, and and um, their opinion pieces about what they thought and. It's almost a rebuttal of everything I've <laughs> said, but it, there's, there's some interesting points brought up in all of them. Look, I don't agree with everything written by every person, but um, the, the general gist of what all of them are saying, I definitely agree with, and that the, the, is that the pro league was, um, I would say, a, a a failure in the sense of uh, it didn't meet its aims and goals and expectations. Isn't it the five P's, mate? What? 
piss poor f- performance. Yeah, prior, prior planning and preparation prevent a piss poor performance. More than five. Yeah, anyway. It's that. Um, and it's something we've talked about quite a lot on the on the show about uh, many facets. That no particular individuals, no particular organisations, but we have this habit within our game to make these bold announcements, um, which you scratch your head at at the time, and two years later. You, you haven't got any further ahead. It's been a half-baked idea that has been launched, uh, and uh, the revolu- revolution continues. FIH dot live being one point in, in proof there that at the launch um, back in December, Andy Orham spoke about all the whiz bang uh, functions that it'll yep. have and everything that's going to go along with it, and we found it to be a, a, a struggling platform where. You just can't get your eyes comfortably on a, on a game with, without some kind of interference in the broadcast. Well, it wasn't as good as the previous um, platform of using YouTube. Yeah, no. It wasn't as good as YouTube. No, and those of, the, the, those of you that joined us for the Totally Pro League party, you could see the quality of stream you can get out of YouTube. <laughs> Not the quality of content. No, the quality I didn't, didn't say that, John. Say no, that. That, that's good. Look... Um, yeah, Ashley's had his say in a, in a piece entitled, uh, I've got to scroll back up here, is the Pro League heading in the right direction? And it's a very overarching document. Well, well, look, well look, yeah, look, it's, it's weighty. Look, the, the initial bit on in there is about Pakistan and the, um, the punishment that they have or haven't received, um, the, with regard to pulling out of the Pro League. And the interesting point to come out of that is that, yes, there is now a precedent there by the Pro League. So what's stopping anybody that's been involved this year not continuing the four-year commitment, i.e., let's say, Germany, because um, they didn't seem to really get behind it a great deal at, at home. Um, and it seemed to be a bit of an inconvenience for them. So... If they now decide to go, yeah, no, we Pro League will give that a miss. Thanks very much. Um, because the Olympic stuff is, is done and dusted. What's stopping them? You'll oh. get a slap on the wrists and um, told you've got to put some money into youth development as part of your fine. Which I imagine they're doing. It's anyway. a big come, it's a big come down, isn't it? It's a big come down from, from where we're at with it. So anyway, that's, that, that's, um, point number one. From, Ashley. guess, from, from Ashley's article there. Well, look, a- Ashley actually provides, uh, it's as much of a bit of a history of the development of the Pro League and the, and as, as anything, as, a, as painted criticism partic- of particular points of the Pro League, if I could put it that way. Yeah, but there's, yeah, lots, lots of, um, some good ideas in there with regard to a restructuring and potential Pro League 2. Um, he says, why not make it more regional? Have a European pool and an Asian pool. In Europe, there are the Netherlands, Belgium, Germany, Spain, GB, Ireland and France. One in Asia, you have Australia, New Zealand, India, Malaysia, Korea and Japan, along with either China or Pakistan. These could vary depending on the men's, men's and women's competitions. To make up eight teams in each league, the champions of Africa and the Pan-American champions get to play in the Asian or European league. Um, there's, there's lots of ways around it and there's, there's, you know, p- potential ways to fix some of the things that we, we found. But look, it's a great article, seven minute read, go to notthefootyshow.com. Uh, the article is the Pro League heading in the right direction. Something else on that, John? Yeah, well, no, no, Ernst Bart has released a, um, a piece today. That's on bhockey, b-hockey.com. And now, look, it's essentially, um, a review of the outstanding achievements of Dr. Battery in his time with the sport of hockey so far. Um, 
And I'm going to leave it there for the moment. There is something I want to go back to that Ernst brings up, but and it's a very read it because we've been on that bandwagon with Ernst for a long time. I mean, I we've stated many times that Dr. Batchelor should, should have stepped aside, and that the the so-called hockey revolution is nothing more than a wheel going around, and it taking us back to the same spot we started with. So have a Check that out, but I want to I want to return to something that Ernst says in the in the beginning of the about the whole premise for having the pro league and what the pro league means, etc., etc. Yep. But um, we also had uh, another article coming out of the drag flick. Yep. Namisha wrote it. Dragflick.com. Yep. Uh, all smoke, no fire, which I thought's not a bad metaphor for what the pro league was, <laughs> and no one's and denying. Did we, did, did we have Did we have the fireworks with the the trophy giving? I don't know, it was daytime. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was daytime. Was, yeah, anyway. Look, and um, in this, Namisha breaks down a, a, a number of points about the Pro League and gives her opinions on them. And uh, look, and they're all, <laughs> they're all worthwhile points to bring up in discussion on. Uh, on the whole, I would I would agree with a, a lot of what she said, and she's got. A, and I have to mention because she quotes me in there. Oh yeah, you do get a quote. I, I, I think. do get a and quote. And Findo gets a quote. Findo gets a quote. And Ernst gets, gets a quote, quote as well. well I say, gets I say a quote. quote. It's been. Um, you weren't asked for a quote, were you? There was something no. you posted on the social well, media. It was available, but it was. Oh exactly. yeah, no, you published it, so it's uh, you know it's fair yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. But, no drama. Yeah, did, did you get asked? No, no, okay. that's no, right. no, no, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we read stuff that other people um, write, so yeah, that's, that's right. fine. We're allowed to do that. That's yeah, all good. Yeah. No, look, but there, there's a series of points here. Now, let, let, let's work through because I think the way that it's been listed as being a series of discussion points, all right, fire them, fire is, away. is pretty cool. Now, it's it starts off with um, oh, where do we go? Oh, where do we start? Because I don't want to actually be reading the whole thing out, but I oh, will go through the points that. That are made. There's an, there's an introduction that quotes um, Siegfried Aikman: uh, "The pro league has killed hockey. Everybody, everybody is disappointed." Um, well, now my, Siegfried might have been exaggerating it slightly by saying everybody, but um, he was pretty close to the mark, if not everybody. Oh, no, not he's, no, and, and he's and he's made some very valid points oh, on so, on the socials in the past couple of weeks. Um, about pay structures, uh, the prize money, and all those sorts. The of whole gamut, and, yeah, and, and ranking points, and yeah. a whole lot of a whole lot of issues. Yeah, two tier system. Now, Namisha quotes an unnamed official as saying, "There are millions of reasons that the pro, pro league was a flop, but it will sadly be sold as a success." Which, as we've seen, the FIH tried to do. Well, they have to. So she's got a, a couple of points here. Zero appeal. Is the first one. Hockey will be regularly and permanently on television with the best nations playing each other. That has to be good for the game, which is a quote from the FIH CEO Thierry Well when he was appointed last year. Now, um, aiming for more hockey is good, but you also have to aim for good, innovative hockey. That's what Namisha wrote. And she's right. She's talking about the idea that it shouldn't just be the top teams playing each other. There's not much excitement in saying 
Belgian play Australia and the Netherlands all, all over the well, time. Well, there, there is because there's fantastic hockey there to is, be played. But that that doesn't mean there's not fantastic hockey to be played between the world number ten up against one or twenty one taking on a bronze World Cup medalist and stuff like that. Yeah, the ch- but, and I think she and said something about the chance of an upset or something in there. And that's yeah, why, yeah, that, that, reporters yeah, want yeah. to report drama, photographers want to capture emotions, and that's yeah, absolutely. And I'm 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 not sure that the pro league ever got close to that no but it's not, it's not going to because you when when you're dealing with loosely the top nine nine sides and we know it's not exactly the, the top nine sides but they're, they're going to be close because they're because they're all the very best yeah. at what they do lack of spectators well definitely a concern yep. and especially that was shown up in the finals when even when holland the home nation were playing there now is it the timing of the games or whatever i don't know but um You'd expect for a f- they're not going to have finals anymore. May no, no, no next year they next won't. Year. Yeah, yeah. So you know that's that's how they get around the problem of of oh we we have plenty of spectators because we won't have the finals next year. Yeah, but no, but we we but, know, we we know a lot of the reasons. That was and, a showcase event. Yeah, but we know a lot of reasons why there weren't a f- weren't full houses in some places. Let's take Spain as the as the example in some of the early games where there was support that had come from the local. Um, association that had put those games on they're the ones that are putting the money into it if they want to run it at 11 o'clock in the morning and fill the place with school kids because that's how they see the best way to develop their game because it's their money and their venues and their risk then they should be allowed to do that now it's it, you know it's maybe it's it's a good viewing time for south america um, I don't know when, when it was a good viewing time for, for somebody in the world for those particular games, but that's what's, that's what was scheduled and that was to suit the needs of that, that host. Um, there's not, there's not a, a, a unified reason for being part of the Pro League which is felt by all nations. No, that's a good point. Uh, Geo Blocks. Now this is an interesting one. Uh, <laughs> As Namisha writes, just type in fih.live on Twitter and see what you find. Boom, bam, pow. Countless people venting their frustrations. Now, yep, it was, fih.live has turned out to be a very frustrating experience mm-hmm. for all. And not just within the context of the Pro League. In fact, the Pro League games to watch on fih.live weren't bad if you could get it. I I managed to watch several games just to test it what, through a VPN. What? You weren't visiting your auntie? Hey? Yeah, I was in Singapore. But yeah. I I had a subscription to KO. Yeah. Um but every now and then I just try and check out how it was going. Now it's it it's not as good a look as YouTube. It's not as good a look look as a platform. Yeah. No but, opportunity to comment. No, there's it's it's sort of very limited and it was obvious that games that were... Oh, you didn't get the full commentary bits either, did you? No, the, no. The, you, you, miss, you miss out on, on a lot of What became obvious during the hockey series, not during the Pro League, was the limitations of the platform yeah. vis-a-vis bandwidth and you know capacity and all those sorts of technical issues that YouTube caters for. Yeah. And uh, that was really disappointing to see the wider hockey... World sacrificed itself to the pro league. Wasn't it two years ago we FIH did a big announcement of a partnership deal with YouTube? Yeah, it was. It was. It was. In fact, it was very early on in our yeah, podcasting. Yeah, yeah. June, now, June the, July 2017, something around then. The point that Namisha was getting back at 
was that people found themselves being blocked from watching FIH live, even though their local broadcaster, which is an issue we've talked about many times. A year ago and, and beyond. Yeah, yeah. But what we got this time around for the Pro League was Foxtel, apart from the fact they initially dudded us with two subscriptions, they came good by the end of it and we got... Uh, but all, And also delayed, still... Up. Still on Fox, still a delayed coverage. Yeah, but if you, you, if you wanted it, it on live. time, then you'd have to buy it on KO. That's yeah, and all of the games were it's live. A regional on KO. issue. Sorry yeah. about this, folks. It's yeah, except yet, for a couple of uh, a couple of games were on Fox Live, and they weren't on KO. A couple of the Australian games, but we got most of the Pro League on Ace on it, on a uh, service that you were paying yeah. for. On a service I was paying for, and I'm quite happy to do that because, let's face it, the model for sports going forward and being professional is about broadcast deals. That That's all that matters in getting professional sport going, because that's where the money is. There's some money in sponsorship, there's some money in memberships, there's some money in merchandise, but the big chunk that keeps the big sports going year after year is in broadcasting. Yeah. And so that's where you've got to develop your market. And, look, that's one of the things Ernst Bart brings up in his column. And the broadcasters make their money either by the advertising or the subscription. Well, and essentially both, because uh, they drive each other. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you yeah. Know? So, um, but the idea that, w- which we've had to discuss many times, that we were getting geo-blocked, on FA, on, on platforms like YouTube, yeah. previous to FIH Live, when the local broadcaster wasn't that's showing. right. And yeah. that's an area where we've often said the FIH has to be stronger when it goes into the yeah, marketing, contract, contractual yeah, obligations yeah, yeah. and blah, blah, which is really disappointing. And that's, that, for the people that couldn't access it because of those issues, um, would have been a very disappointing and not enjoyable situation to be in. Next. Next. Um, Ernst Bart, well that goes, uh, rich dad versus poor dad. This is about the rankings points, the imbalance of points for the FIH Pro League and the FIH Series Finals. Um, if you look at, you'll see a severe disparity. Now this is what Namisha, this is, uh, the FIH Pro League gets set, Pro League winner gets 700 points and an FIH Hockey Series winner gets 500 points. The Pro League runner-up gets 650 points, while the FIH Series Finals runner-up gets 400 points. Pro League third-place finisher gets 600, while the FIH Series Finals third-place finisher gets 300 points. Yeah, but those finals finishers, they're, they're not... They're, an e- they're an e- on an equal footing with the other Series Finals finishers, or, you, or is that the, the overall Series Final winner? Let's just say... The whole ranking system needs to be uh, torn down and ripped apart. It's been done. Like, yeah, this is it. Look, I don't think it's a lot of pointers whinging about what's happening with ranking well, points at the, at the moment uh, uh, because yeah. because it's been highlighted. To understand that they're rubbish. They are. Yeah, but we know they're rubbish, and the yeah. FIH knows they're rubbish. And as we heard on uh, the Studio Hockey podcast not too long back, when Mike Joyce was on there, he said that we know this is rubbish, but we're we're modelling three or four different versions at the moment. Um, and we spoke, um, we'll hear from Jonas <laughs> soon in the interview, but we spoke to Jonas about it too, about the, the ranking points, that it, it's, it's so hard. I don't want to talk any more about Jonas' piece because that's going to come up in a moment, but you'll yeah. hear, hear more on that anyway. And, and look, they're, oh, yeah, they're right. 
Just read, read Fendo's because the hooks Fendo. also, also the rankings. There. This is from uh, Hook Hockey. The rankings are unfair, particularly when a country can lose every pro league game and retain their ranking. The system does literally does not allow for the pro league sides to drop out of the top eight. Yeah, and that's you know, and that's where it's at. Yeah, that's yeah. Where oh, look, at. The, the whole system needs to be brought down and restrung. And part of the part of the problem is that the international calendar is so topsy turvy and changeable all the time. There's no way to actually implement a ranking system that's, that, that's fair right. no, for everybody. For everybody, yeah. because the, the the calendar is so changeable and tournaments, yeah. you know, like the hockey series has lasted one season. In fact, they had they actually started it before they announced it's, it was I think they'd done some early rounds of it before they announced it was dying. No, and no, we no, we'd come on a fair way. No, we did we had come on a fair way with it, yeah. But even so No, there was World there was yeah, we, hockey be, world before series. we got to these finals. Before we got to the finals, yeah. yeah in, that, in between the open oh, and, and the, the finals, finals they yeah. announced it was all yeah. it was all going. So and as we hear from Kevin soon, what is going on in the future? Yeah. But anyway, um, no benefit for players is another point that Namisha brought up. Uh, most players played to represent their country. The FIH promised that the Pro League would professionalise this sport, but none have reported to have received an additional income to play this tournament. Yep, uh, concern brought up when we first talked about yeah, well, 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 initially, Pro-League? initially we'd heard it was going to be a million dollar prize pool. Then it was down to a five hundred thousand uh, dollar prize pool. Uh, some countries uh, had agreements with the players that they would split a certain percentage of that prize money should should they win it. Others haven't had that, and it goes into the national association. Um, I believe with Australia, it's a, it's a split across the the players involved. Um, with a percentage going to the National Association. Uh, there's another quote there, John, from John Lee, co-founder of The Reverse Stick, oh. another popular hockey podcast. Uh, that might be me. You took to Facebook to post your views. Yeah, uh, I struggled through that. Okay. I got there. Do you want me to read it? Yeah. Okay. Um, look, this comes under the heading of no consistency in presentation. It is not... Enough to simply broadcast a match. It is important to also entertain and inform the audience by presenting information or entertainment in an accessible and attractive way. Very good point. It is my <laughs> no. That, that that wasn't me. That's what Namisha wrote. <laughs> by the way, <laughs> I didn't write that. <coughs> no. Uh, what did I say? Oh, my issue is the lack of consistency across the broadcasts and in the presentation of the product. I think BT and Fox did an excellent job. Some other broadcasts were not so good. One commentator doing multiple games, training markups on the pitch, stats for some games, not others, shot clocks, where are they? Now, no, I'm going to have to stop you there, John. It's actually, where were they? Where were they? Doing. Yeah. And that, ladies and gentlemen, that's just an example of what this show would be like if it was scripted. <laughs> God, God. Okay, you got the picture. But look, as much that was more about uh, more on shot clo- clocks coming up in feedback at the end of the show. Okay, so. that that was more about um, the idea that it's the FIH's tournament and they had to c- take control and there had to be some s- sort of consistency across the mm-hmm. whole thing, rather than the which is why thing. which yeah. is why they visited every ground across the world that will be hosting the Pro League. Yeah, and Thierry's come out this time around saying they're not going to have any grounds that don't come up to their standards anymore. Well, you, you need to look at the standard of the people that yeah. are reviewing the standards. Uh, now, this is an interesting one. 
this is a really interesting point. Uh, wrong timing. The finals of both the FIH Series Finals Tournament and the FIH Pro League Finals were scheduled in the month of June. Uh, I mean, did you not know that there was a Cricket World Cup, a rugby and a football championship happening all at the same time? Absolute pity for the broadcasters, fans, publishers and marketeers. Now, I have to, I have to argue with that because there is top international sport happening pretty much uh, year-round, all the time. I th- I You've got to have an end to a tournament or a, yeah, a league the last six months. We, we need to be concerned about the concerns of hockey and how the, it's scheduled, although it's fucked, excuse me, uh, messed around a lot of, a lot of, um, uh, domestic league competitions and other things. You've got to set it at, at, at some time. And we're hockey. We've got to worry about what hockey does to suit hockey and not worry about what others are doing. Because we're not, it's, it's, people watching the Cricket World Cup isn't detracting from people watching hockey. As I've said before with John, you know, we've got to work on getting hockey people watching hockey. Yeah, Don't yeah. worry about people going and watching cricket. As, as a default position, I agree with you in the idea that hockey's got a, Plough its own furrow. Yeah, plough its own furrow is a good way to put it. But she does make a very good point with um, the finals of both the FIH series and the FIH Pro League coming to that conclusion in the month of June. Where oh, they yeah. Absolutely yeah, yeah, no, I hear it. I, yeah, and I and hear that's it. a very good point because we didn't allow any of those tournaments to give the proper breath that they needed. We weren't encouraging... An, the mass number of people to watch one game, we spread our our mass over a lot of games. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and but having said what I've just said there, we'll talk a little bit about Hockey One, the new Australian competition coming up. That's been the schedule for that has been set, and that's very much to avoid the big game in Australia. Yeah, and look, overlapping schedules was a, a an issue that she also brought up, which we sort of talked about. Uh, look, Google search trends and research. This is quite interesting. Uh, the FOH Hockey Series Finals Tournament had more searches than the Pro League could ever generate in six months. Okay. Yeah. Now, that does not surprise me. Surprisingly? Okay. Well, no, because well, look at the amount of supporters in the countries, potentially, in those for the countries that are playing Hockey Series Finals, and inversely look at it for, for Pro League. What's, what, what are your numbers? Yeah. And, and it is a pity that the Hockey Series Tournament, which was more successfully es- executed, will be scrapped out moving forward. Uh, I think it's a pity because we started something and we killed it again. I mean, where are we going to get some continuity in the game? Yeah. Uh, Twickenham Stoop. This is interesting. One great thing Great Britain hockey got to witness was the turnout at the Twickenham Stoop in London, which was revolutionising. Turning a rugby stadium into a portable hockey stadium was historic. There is no denying that. But I have to mention that the credit for this revolution does not go to the FIH. That was the vision, brainchild and execution of the very brilliant Sally Mundy and England hockey. Very good point to make. But what I find interesting is that we don't have a stoop as a sport. We, We don't have an MCG or a Lord's. Um, some would say Wagner Stadium. Geez, they've been having international tournaments there. No, but, you but know, what, back to the 70s, and early 70s, some maybe would before. Say, some would say, well, we don't have recognisable, iconic hockey pitches. There was, maybe we're starting to generate some, but, um, it was just interesting that the, 
we're, we're talking about trans transporting our game. Well, at to least like, here in Perth, we've got Perth Hockey Stadium yeah. that works. You go to Melbourne, you've got the uh, state, state no state netball and hockey, hockey centre. centre. I mean, yeah, <laughs> rolls off the catchy. Tone. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> PHS, everybody calls it here. Yeah, Perth. But you know that's the spot, and people would know around the world Perth Hockey Stadium because there's been a lot of international hockey that's that's played there. You might not. Um, What's Wembley famous for? Being a football stadium, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. What's What's Old Trafford famous for? Well, there's two Old Traffords, really. Cricket. Yeah. But we don't we don't have. I can't think of a sport. Maybe you're right with Wagner Stadium, but do we have a a stadium where people go that has that iconic stature within our game? A Lords. No. 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 And, and it's just something to consider. No, That's well, what we need to generate. Well, no, you know, and maybe we did have when it was back to the days on grass, um, because there were iconic facilities that were shared between cricket and hockey. But as we've seen, the move to have artificial turfs wherever we can get them, wherever the space yeah. is to put them, it's taken, as we know, it's, it's, it's taken hockey away from clubs. You're very, very lucky if you've got your your own bar next to your own artificial turf facility. It's rare. Yeah, look, there's there's plenty more there from Namisha. Un, uh, you know, things to do in the future and how do you put up a better show is one of the headings. And we can keep going on. Have a read. Go drag flick. Yeah, so check out bhockey.com, check out dragflick.com, check out thefootyshow.com, oh. three interesting pieces. You wanted to come back on something from Ernst. Very, very quickly, because we've got to get to the interview. Um, Ernst, uh, in, in an excellent overview of Dr. Batchel's hockey career, um, does make this point. Oh, let me find it now. This is going to be interesting. Um, is for some... Uh, let, me, uh, let me get this right. The first edition of the FOH Pro League has declared its winners and its losers. Thierry Whale, CEO for the FOH, declared the first edition of his Pro League a success, which resulted in a few giggles as well as grinding teeth around the world. To those who believe the FOH Pro League has potential added value for our sport, it is clear it was not the concept that failed. Sure, some tweaks as expected are necessary, behind, but the idea behind the Pro League is still a valid one. Can I say of everything Ernst wrote, I agreed with except that statement. I don't think the idea of the Pro League is still a valid one. I would like to see the international um, calendar stripped back and more emphasis put into club hockey and raising the levels of club hockey around the globe. And that's what's going to bring people into the game. That's what's going to bring the money into the game. And that's what's going to bring the excitement into the game. As long as we base some sort of... Grassroots and connection. Well, and it's connection with those with those players that are local. You can see them. You can touch them. And UK is a great example here. You talk about the game, the games at the stoop. What has to happen there now is, is, is if, if, if that's been proven as something which works for them, then it's, the games have got to be taken around the country. Mm. It can't just all be London, 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 London all the time for all of the games because that's not where all the hockey players are. They're everywhere. Yeah. Um, and that's a, a, a something for a greater discussion too. I'd love to sit down and exchange more about that, just that concept with Ernst. But the rest of his article, oh, he's spot on, mate. I reckon he's absolutely on the ball. You're listening.
listening to the Reverse Stick, the Global Hockey Podcast. Guess what, Matt? What is it, John? It's featured interview time once again here on the Reverse Stick, and it's an absolute pleasure to welcome Kevin Johnson to the show, the Hockey Wales Women's Head Coach. Jonas, welcome to the Reverse Stick. Hi, both. Absolute joy to be here after being a, a lifelong supporter. Uh, and. <laughs> Delighted to be on Series 2, as it now is. Well, thank you very oh, much. You picked up on that. That's well, well done. Yeah, it's great to have you here, Jonas. Now, we've talked about you a, f- a fair bit on the show in the past, and, of course, we managed to catch up uh, when you were down here with the GB women for the Pro League in Perth. Um, and, yeah, and we promised at the time to get you on the show and hear a bit of your, your hockey story and where you're at and what's going on with the Welsh women. So, great to have the opportunity to, to have a chat. Um, like with everybody, I guess we start with the start. And what was your route in, into the game in the in the first place? Uh, I always I kind of stumbled into hockey really from um, from being uh, from being at secondary school. So I started quite late and uh, always brought up on a staple diet of football and cricket as uh, hockey wasn't really in the family. And um, happened to be uh, pretty good in the first few PE lessons and um, joined a local club and kind of away I went from there. Actually featured on your last episode. I think they won. Uh, it was home by hockey club. Oh, uh, fantastic! South in Kent, so I think they won some coaching cards, didn't they? In, they uh, did, yeah. The last episode. So yeah, I grew up in a in a seaside little seaside town called Herne Bay, and um, uh, we had a I'd say little small club in there, but with with some big aspirations. And a few of us guys grew up together, and uh, and um, pretty much went from there. Uh, real love of the game uh, that's actually never dissipated. So it's uh, I've been still in love with the game now, despite its frustrations and joys all at the same measure and uh, I uh, had a decent playing career um, ended up playing a lot of a lot of the leagues all the way up to Premier League uh, a bit of representative stuff along the way um, but never at senior level uh, and um, always when I was playing uh, I had a real kind of thirst for the sort of tactical elements of the game and coaching and I was also studying to become a teacher and so I kind of went through that route into coaching and um, yeah I've managed to uh, be involved in a lot of the junior England teams coaching along the way and uh, across obviously into then the GB framework and network and uh, and then in 2016 uh, got the role with Wales as head coach and obviously still still work as a coach within GB as well and our frameworks there and sort of club wise um, coached at National League women's level um, at Holcomb um, for a number of years uh, as probably the highlight and um, was involved in Holcomb's sort of push from the regional leagues up to National Premier League and establishing themselves in a in the, in the Premier League and obviously as a European club now, so um, uh, I played for Holcombe as a as a as a male player and uh, and coached the women's side as well. So that's kind of where I've where I've been and where I'm at today. But unashamedly through that whole process, uh, uh, I was a forward and uh, and still am actually still get to play every now and again now and um, and love scoring goals and uh, <laughs> nothing better for me than scoring goals and seeing goals scored and uh, uh, yeah, that's quite a, still a big role for me. Does that drive your coaching philosophy? Kevin, that the, the goals are something that we that every team should be striving for. Yeah, I mean, a lot of players that work with me know that I, I instill quite a lot of. Uh, I, I work quite hard in the attacking circle with, with our players, and um, it, it's a really interesting one for me in, in the game. It's I, I think there was a while we we lost natural goal scorers. Uh, I used to remember playing and I've been terrible throughout the week from Saturday to Saturday at club level if I hadn't scored a goal and I think that, that absolute desire to want to score uh, if that burns away at you all week then you do everything you possibly can at the weekend to score and I don't know I think sometimes in our pathways we, we, we try and create the total player 
uh, and I think sometimes some of the specialists along the way fall by the wayside and and it's a shame because I think every now and again you you see out there a natural goal scorer and um, and you just wish there were more of them around and and it's something we we're always striving to look at and whilst we work really hard at sort of teaching all the goal scoring skills in the circle you kind of know those moments when you see a real natural that that just got that anticipation and they kind of know where they where they want to be in the circle and and where the ball's likely to fall uh, you can for me you can teach all the techniques um, but there's that kind of a natural goal scorer kind of knows where they are when the ball's going to arrive they they sniff out those opportunities uh, like you say getting on the far post and just but just being <laughs> those ones that just sort of sit just sit on the far far post and and put the ball in but that's that's a skill in itself knowing knowing when to go there when to arrive there uh, to sort of get there unmarked um, yeah I'm pretty passionate about when I see some natural forwards sort of wanting to see them push up the system but I don't know sometimes I think certainly international level because you need so many skill sets to contribute I think we almost sometimes lose the specialisms Kevin uh, the forward who made his uh, I think he made his GB debut with the team this year his name's just slipped it's not actually Jackson um <laughs> so, yeah. No, he certainly hasn't no, made no, his debut but, this year. Um, oh, I think he's a Scottish fella, the goal scorer. Uh, Alan Forsyth. Alan Forsyth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, not the, a debut, but yeah, yeah. Back, back into the fold. Yeah. Back into the fold. Uh, is he the sort of player you're talking about? And and B, um, I would think that Mark Hager is exactly the bloke you're talking about as well, as the coach of the women's team, because him as a player wasn't a guy you would play at right half or running through the midfield you put him up in front of the goals and and he scored them for you are they they the sorts of players you're talking about yeah players like sort of in the setup at the moment Sam Ward um, you know Alan Forsyth they are you just see the hunger to score and and almost the joy when they do score as well they'll celebrate every single goal as if it's the most important goal they've scored and I think that's you can see that in them and certainly Alan um, has taken a while to break into the side but I've you know I've certainly watched him at club level for a few years and 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 for the Scottish men uh, doing fantastic things and I'm pleased he's got his opportunity and and it's been lovely as well to, to obviously spend some time with Mark Hager and, and working with him and, and having a few chats with him because yeah some of the philosophies are very very similar um, in in what's required in the circle and, and kind of the attitude that you need to have to, to be a really top goal scorer so yeah that he's he's definitely along those lines and we all know as a player he, he demonstrated that time and time again it's not something that leaves you either I mean it, that, that's a skill that you have with you at, with you throughout your career if you've got the knack you will always have the knack I think as a 15 year old I played in goal now, you, you, you might be able to help me with the name a, a guy called I think it was Pip Cyril that played in the 50s for, for England Kevin do you know the name? No, no, I, I can't think, say. I think, my, uh, I think, goes I think it was it was it was mid fifties. Anyway, I came up against him as a fourteen or fifteen year old in goal. He was playing for one of the the Brummy teams, and uh, he stuffed five past me. He would have been about seventy years old, and every <laughs> single one of them, top of the D, I'd come running out to knock him over, <laughs> and pip pop pick just would pick me off every single time. So it stays with you. It, it, it does, and I say I'm, I'm lucky enough to still sort of I, I don't coach at club anymore because the uh, the amount of commitments that I have, so I get to I I wanted to go back and sort of play and be part of that changing room again. So I play with a with a social group um, at Eastbourne, my local club, because uh, my wife plays in the ladies' first team and she's a forward and uh, she finished top scorer for them this year. <laughs> they got <laughs> so um, the, pedigree the, the for the kids. 
Well, the great thing is we uh, we obviously get home of an evening and uh, and it's a competition to see how many goals each of us have scored. <laughs> so, uh, which which is great, but it's no, it, it never leaves you. I got I got into a bit of trouble as, as always when you play on a social side. If you ever try and take things too seriously, they bring you straight back down to yeah, earth. Yeah. And um, I uh, I managed to to put one in the top corner, and I think whatever level you're playing at, if you do that, it's got to be worthy of celebration. And uh, I got uh, ridiculed for the next sort of six weeks. Uh, they called me Kate Winslet. My, my celebration, I think, carried on round the back of the goal with my arms outstretched <laughs> like I was on the the end of the uh, the end of the ship in Titanic, saying, "I'm the king of the world." That's so, the way you do it. Um, yeah, we would have uh, just but, uh... but, you know, those, those moments. I don't care what level you're playing at. When when those when those things happen, you you know, there's there's something inside you that wants to celebrate. So as sad as it is, and as sad as it sounds, but it's uh, I think that's the bit that you know, once it's there, it's always there. We have a fine in our team for excessive skill. Uh, that would certainly have qualified. <laughs> oh, I don't need to worry about winning that one. So I, 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 I say to them now as well, in terms of my moving off the ball as I'm getting on a bit now, I say like, I'm, I'm not running any wider than the edge of the circle. <laughs> so it's going to take me longer to get to the circle. So uh, you pass me the ball never outside the two edges of the circle and I'll operate somewhere in there. <laughs> Kevin, you mentioned earlier you have a teaching background and it, it strikes me that... That's something that a lot of good coaches have in their in their background is uh, some sort of training in how to communicate with people, especially youngsters. Have you found that that's been, you know, a helpful to you? Is it something you've been able to incorporate into your coaching? Yeah, I think it's just uh, they're just human skills, really. Um, I always find that you you've got the the what, so you 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 know your what to coach. Um, but the how to coach is, is just as important and I think sometimes we end up doing a lot of the how and not enough of the what or uh, we do a lot of the what and we try and throw everything we know at the players and we don't necessarily do that in a way that, that works for them and in terms of how they take the content and how they uh, how they understand it so I think yeah there's there's a lot that teaching allows you to work with you you are working especially working with children you're working with all sorts of different characters and you've got to find not just one way to to sort of impart your, your knowledge and your information you've got to find loads of different ways and I think having a sort of teaching a sports science background just allows me to to get use the experience I've had in, in teaching um, and allows me to be able to sort of put things in different ways to different people and look at always be I think reflective as well I think that's the other skill that you have as a teacher is you've always got to be reflective and yeah. you know you have to appraise yourself regularly on on how you're doing how you what you're doing uh, is it is it hitting the right spot are you just patting yourself on the back for the sake of it because you think it, it went well um so i think you you learn to be self-reflective through that and i think that's another really important skill of a coach is to always be your biggest critic but not so hard on yourself that you know uh, you you question yourself that nice sort of bit around being really really honest with yourself about what you're doing how you're doing it whether that's landing well with the players what the players think of you and and we've got some really good feedback mechanisms with with the Wales stuff uh, the players will be very quick to tell me if uh, if I'm straying down a line that they don't understand or appreciate and um, and and hopefully uh, vice versa that's right. That, the, the player feedback angle of things, that, that's obviously an important thing at the level you're talking about. Do you think that's important all the way throughout hockey? Should that be something employed by everybody? Yeah, I, I think anyone that's, anyone that's leading or anyone that's part of a team, um, your behaviours directly affect other people. So I think whenever you're in a situation in a team, it happens very informally if you're part of a team because 
I think in the change room after the game, or sometimes even on the pitch, you, you're told pretty quickly if uh, <laughs> um, uh, you're, some, some I call immediate feedback um, happens pretty quickly. But you know, it's the same for coaches, players, and if you're part of one one team and you understand sort of the important thing of. Uh, you might not necessarily get on with everyone in your team, but you certainly need everyone in your team to be a good team, and and you have to use those mechanisms for feedback. And as I say internationally, all coaches and teams will be doing it in their own way. Um, but I think for for mo- many levels, it's quite good. I know in industry sometimes they have these 360 feedbacks where um, everybody has a chance to feedback into the into the leader or the teacher or the manager uh, and that can be quite hard to take at times but again you've got to be reflective and honest enough to be able to take some of that feedback on and and be better and and certainly my coaching journey I've you know I've only really become better as a result of some of the honest feedback that people have been prepared to give now we've covered some of your coaching journey quite literally the journeys in in the show uh, what what's happening right at the moment we understand you're about to jump on a plane very soon once again yeah, it's been quite a year. So what I think I started the year with the GB EDP, um, which is the development program underneath the main senior group, and was in Alicante for a trip there in Spain. Then obviously then called up to assist with the GB senior program. So off I went to New Zealand, um, Australia, and uh, and China, uh, and then came back from that, and and then I was immediately in France with Wales. And then uh, we've been off to Valencia for the Open Series uh, with Wales and just come back from that. Now I'm on a plane tomorrow to Turkey with our under-21 Wales group who begin their European under-21 campaign in their B division uh, then get back. And then a few weeks later, we're off to Scotland uh, for the Welsh uh, senior team for our, our own senior European tournament. So it's uh, it's been quite a year, and this is all done as a kind of part-time coach, really. None of these roles are full-time, so it's uh, that's again some of the challenges you get, even at the level um, of being a part-time head coach, that you still have to do the travelling. Kevin, you've been in the unique position too of having been involved with both the pro league and the uh, the hockey series, in, both within a short space of time, and intermingled with each other. Um, I'm worried somewhat that the the value of the, the the hockey series was diminished by being put up against the um the the pro league and and that we were somehow denied the quality hockey that we should have been able to see quite quite easily. Are we underselling the hockey series somewhat and the, and the, the the level of hockey that's being played there? Yeah, possibly. I mean, I, I really enjoyed the Pro League in, 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 from a personal sense. You know, the, the travelling was a lot. I think the fixture scheduling was, it was a real tricky one. I'm, I'm pleased they're looking at that and reducing the amount of travelling that teams, that teams are doing. And I hope as a result, you're not going to get that minefield around May, June where suddenly there's tons and tons of games. Yeah. I, I thought at its best, there was a game on, maybe on a Friday night, Saturday night, um, or Sunday night at home and I thought that was really great to see hockey regularly on a weekly basis being being put on so you can catch up rather than having to watch a hundred games in seven days or whatever it might be um, but we almost ended up with that but in a month's period somehow and I think yeah there's a there should be a, a mystical part of, of Olympic qualification for teams although not necessarily appropriate for us with Wales at that tournament because uh, GB move on from, from that point onwards but for a lot of the teams these 
the, the games are actually were quite dramatic in the open yeah. series. Some of the games, you know, you're coming down to a to a fact where one game is everything. When you get to a semi final, you win that game, you're into the, uh, you know, you're into the um, Olympic qualifiers. And I think some of that mystique was gone. I, I look at stuff like our FA Cup when you get those sort of minnows come through in our football competitions and they make a big deal of it and they don't schedule premiership games on at that time. So yeah. people start to think of the magic of the cup, so to speak. Now. You know, certainly speaking for Valencia, those two semi-finals um, were, you know, breathtaking in terms of what they meant to teams. Um, you know, I look at the teams there, South Africa, who everything was on the line for them because of previous previous issues that they have. You know, in their semi-final, you look at Canada's story. You know, giving yeah. up everything to uh, player-wise um, to to try and still live their dream, and yet alongside that there's all sorts of other things playing off in pro league so I think it's a shame that there are so many different stories out there in world hockey um, rather than sort of winning at the very very top tier there are so many nice stories that, that people may have not been had, had the opportunity to watch or be part of or, or, or feel the, the drama and we're in sport because it's dramatic you know we don't yeah. know the outcome a lot of the time you know there's joy and there's frustration and it mirrors real life um, but I think sometimes it's a shame because that's part of sport is to enjoy those moments of drama and I think maybe because everything seems to be going at the same time it was it was very difficult to for people outside to to live in that drama obviously the each of the Open Series, each of the FIH Series finals was staggered, but Pro League went on top of all of those. Yeah. It, it's funny because, you know, they're international hockey players, and all of them are far better players than I ever was or could have hoped to have been. And to me, I don't mind if where a nation's ranked to be able to get something out of a game. It's I think sometimes we're too heavily... The top four or five teams in the world are... Are probably a league above everybody else, but I think once you start drifting below about five or six, no, but we, it's we, John, very John, similar. John, John and I were watching the Scottish uh, yeah. cup, cup finals from, yeah. from Glasgow Green, and they were fantastic, entertaining games of hockey. They were, the skill level was variable, but you can still see a good game of hockey. It doesn't have to be at the very highest level. So I didn't mean to jump in on no, that. No, you're all, right. all good. Yeah, well, I think I think sport a sport at the very top level can sometimes be a bit predictable because they the, the players do exactly what you expect them to do because they're very good, they're highly conditioned, they're exceptional skill, uh, and sometimes these games can cancel let teams can cancel each other out. Whereas you get some quite unique styles playing off against each other, maybe a bit more unpredictable and unique, a bit further down the spectrum. And you know, as I said, we, we've you know we we would call ourselves quite competitive with with a lot of teams we play against. You know, we we had a a, a rip roaring game against India at the Commonwealth Games and and managed to win that one, which is a, is a huge for us and, yeah. and momentous and historical for us. And you know, we play against Spain who. You know, upset their own odds to to get a bronze medal. I would guess at the at the World Cup, and then you know we only lose one nil to them in in the in yeah. the FH series finals. And yeah. you know, for, for the, the way we were able to compete with such a quality side that we've got a lot of respect for, uh, and a style of hockey which we may not sort of necessarily play against week in week out at club level, is a wonderful story for us. And there, there are so many of them across one single tournament. And I always think like winning. What what is winning? Is it you know there are so many ways to win. Even if you lose a game, 
you can still win in oh. terms of your program and, and and what you do and how you go about things and and maybe some of the stories that can go back to your own nation as a result of just competing well and uh, and I think sometimes yeah sometimes the narrative gets a bit lost in it and there are so many good stories from those tournaments and some sort of unique situations and uh, like the Canada situation for instance was such a lovely story of you know what they've all kind of the choices they've all made life-wise to to you know to try and um, to try and reach their dream and it's kind of film script stuff isn't it when it yeah. comes off yeah it, it almost gets sort of there's so much news in that time period it almost gets sort of well that's nice and then we move on to the next piece of news yeah and like you say there's, there's individual stories I, I spotted that Rose Thomas um, was best goalkeeper at the tournament there and that's something for her to take back with the group take back to her club to her family and it and it is those little individual stories isn't it yeah and that Rose was part of the Great Britain programme uh in recent times and unfortunately got cut from cut from that at a particular time so for there's a little bit of I guess personal redemption for her from being cut from that program but then turning up at the next world level tournament that she's able to play in and being goalkeeper of the tournament so what a lovely story that is you know for someone that's faced disappointment um, hasn't sort of wallowed in it has, has worked really hard at, at her game and, and sees the rewards at the end of that again so again a wonderful story from an individual in sport that goes through the highs and the lows and I think youngsters in sport they're the sorts of stories in terms of role modelling that is so important for for our future youngsters playing the game and again a really big story but it might easily have got missed by a number of people Yeah well we we know that we we lose uh, players at at different stages and, and, and I'm sure that there's some of those big big disappointments when you don't make the cut for a certain age group um, team, whether it be state, county, national, or whatever. What, as as a coach, how do we, how do you approach dealing with, with those big letdowns for individuals? Yeah, it, you know, it's it's the worst part of being a coach, and I, I'll say this to anyone: um, I have to pick eighteen players for a tournament, and there are a number of players that I can't pick, um, and and that's always the most difficult thing. I think you. You know, if you've got a good rapport with your player group and, and you're genuine and you'll come across genuine, I always phone the players. So the selection email will come out, um, and I'll always um, make time for a, certainly a telephone conversation. I spend as long on the phone as I'll need to, and you know, and it's never it's never great, but you you try and give them the important things they need to work on, and you you probably talk to them about a number of people that have been in a similar situation that are now when you're 18 and I think that's always another good thing to say was you know so and so didn't make the last Commonwealth Games and and they they were now picked for this one and this is what they did in that time and I think you have to give them the picture of the future Um, but it's it's a horrible thing and it's it's exceptionally disappointing and I think where we are as well our players will pay anything between £1,000 to £2,000 a year to just be an international hockey player Uh, and, and they do all the training and they do all the, the playing and they attend the matches and uh, they probably miss out on a few social events uh, to, to go to camps and tournaments and then you know when it comes down to the final call you you can't select them so in one se- in one sense that that's even worse but in another sense it, it keeps the group really grounded as well so if you've made that squad and you know others haven't you sort of try and embrace every moment you're in that experience but yeah. it's, it's a dreadful thing it's never an easy thing to do and uh, I think you just have to sort of say well look there are tons of people that have been in this position and you can take that two ways you can let that affect you and you can um, and you can get lost in it or you can come through and, and make yourself more resolute and, and I actually think those players 
when they were younger that faced a lot of disappointments tend to be the ones that stick and and really make a success there are a number of players also that get picked for every single tournament when they're young then try and start playing senior hockey and don't get picked for the first few and because they're not used to those disappointments and riding that wave suddenly their world falls out and then they end up sort of getting lost to the game uh, or the, or the disappointment's so big at that stage uh, it's a really interesting one actually is do you, do you pick a, when you're in sort of junior levels and pathways do you keep picking all the same players all the same time because you might not be helping them when it comes to when they are in a much much bigger pond and they're a smaller fish and that's that's a problem across every sport too isn't it wherever you have the, the junior development pathways where you often see the same names going in from when they're under 13s to when they get to a certain age or whatever it might be and and then you're in, you are as you said you're in with the big pool aren't you yeah and it's opportunity isn't it i mean if you give more people more opportunity you know you're you're spreading that depth of your player pool much wider uh, and therefore if you get a few people decide to not want to carry on um then you've still got a group of players underneath that i was always quite um, I was always quite impressed with Ireland certainly looking at Ireland and some contacts over there over there in Ireland women I think they, they have more players playing around 30 odd caps rather than just the same group all the time they kind of gave opportunities so they had a big big number in their player pool that have played at least 30 caps um, and of course then you, you really work in your programme well whereas if you've got just pick the same 18, 20 players all the time and then suddenly you get three or four retirements or, or a load of injury problems which you can get, then suddenly you haven't got a group of experience um, underneath that. So, again, a good way of doing it is not always picking the same people all the time, but you'll almost make your player pool more extensive. I think that's and- something Andrew Wilson um, picked up on when we spoke to him some time ago. Now, you, you mentioned there, John, as um, n- never being an easy thing to do, letting people down. Um, I think you're in a really good position to have a little conversation with John right now um, <laughs> what did I say? A- about um, the setup between Scotland, Wales, England and, uh, and, G- and GB. Um, you, you know what I'm on about. Yes. Explain to him why. Why it happens, um, yeah, it's all down to the Olympic Games yeah. and obviously for, forever we've been classified as, as Great Britain. So it's our opportunity to come together um, for an event uh, as one whole conglomerate, um, as we as we once were, um, and uh, yeah, and 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 enjoy the experience of being together and and being one thing. It's it's it is quite a unique situation, and it's uh, we, we obviously it works well for us. We have some good connections with with our other home nations colleagues and friends, uh, and that helps us out. Um, the interesting thing is how they changed the world rankings recently. So oh. you'll know that we obviously, you know that we obviously were in the FIH series finals yet we couldn't get through the Olympic qualification and the same as Scotland. Yeah. Um, because previously for, for two years every time it was GB and not home nations for two years we couldn't even enter a world tournament. So for two years we would slip all the way down the rankings and not earn any ranking points. Then the two years it was back to home nations we could earn points again. Now over a four year period we're trying to amalgamate Scotland and Wales in particular trying to amalgamate as many ranking points as possible to qualify for the Commonwealth Games yeah. which for a Welsh and Scottish athlete if you're not in GB it's yeah. it's a massive tournament and it's a huge multi-games tournament. So that process was almost stitching us up a little bit and whilst we earned points if we had a player in the Great Britain squad we would earn one sixteenth of their points <laughs> um, but, um, but because obviously there were 16 players picked we would earn one sixteenth now that 
obviously in the last one where they went to Rio and there was no Scottish and Welsh, Welsh athletes in the team that were in Rio so we earned zero points oh. um, and also for that two year period we couldn't even earn any ranking points or enter any tournaments ourselves so um, what's at least the, the good thing for us that's changed is that we can at least enter the tournaments now and we can earn our own ranking points by right um, so it is it's a quite a unique situation I guess from lots of people I speak to um, that aren't uh, aren't in Europe they don't quite seem to understand it or get it and it seems to be a very historical thing that, that hasn't broken up so uh, there's talk of uh, new FIH rankings just as you're happy with these ones there's talk of new <laughs> ones being formulated at the moment have, do you have a particular viewpoint on that and what you'd like to see happen to be more equitable to your group yeah I just don't think it seems to be really difficult to move up rankings even if you have good tournaments because of the nature of obviously the top teams that were in the top tournaments and all the ranking points are weighted towards the top tournaments so it's hard enough as it is especially when you're sort of a bit stretched on resources budgets contact time it's really hard to make the break so we've been sat in around the lower 20s but you know we've shown that we we're far more competitive with that but it's so hard to get yourself up and above higher up in the rankings um, without a considerable effort and, and maybe a lot more uh, in terms of resource plugged your way so that's been a sticking point for me I, I understand a little bit actually from from you guys and uh, and some of the stuff that I've listened to around the new the new ranking structure where you would you would play against a higher side and if you beat them you'd get more ranking points but if you were a lower side and you lost to a higher side you would get quite a few taken off the only problem I see with that is where's the incentive for a higher ranked side to play a lower ranked side yeah. there isn't so my, my worry is now I mean we, we try and be really competitive and we ask for test matches for different nations and I think as we get more competitive in tournaments and people see how well we're doing they actually say well actually not too bad playing Wales we get a, sort of two or three good games out of them so we'll go and play them a bit more which is generally how it works in when you're arranging test series with people um, but my worry is now is, is there's maybe such a fall if you lose to a lower ranked side that you may not you may want to swerve those matches and take on someone higher than yourself because the there's a little bit more if you lose it doesn't count so much and uh, you know you're starting to um, then say well, okay who's going to want to arrange games against you so as long as the FIH and the associations are are sort of fair and uh, make sure that there's a really good spread of, of games available to you across different rankings then yeah I'm, I'm all up for any sort of change and see how it goes and, and then you, I think you review it it's a bit like the Pro League you know it's, it's, it's a new thing let's try it let's see how it works I think there's been lots of elements of Pro League that we've all loved and listening to you guys you know there's some really good things in the Totally Pro League podcast as well there's been some really great things and great talking points and fantastic matches and loads of goals being scored teams playing maybe with a bit more freedom because it's a league thing rather than a tournament um, so, so that's really good so let's try these things see what happens but all I would worry about is that we're able to pick up high quality fixtures that, that will move us on uh, and keep us improving so how far ahead are you are you planning your your program, particularly with the Welsh girls? Because we we hear well, obviously hockey series will be gone. Um, Pro League Two is being mooted. Uh, what you know? What, what have you got to work with as to with forward planning? <laughs> nothing, absolutely <laughs> nothing. Um, I've just I've just done our programming for the next sort of year, and I can only really work up to the end of club season because I, I know. I mean, we've got a couple of. I think we're due to go out um, to France again, south of France in sort of January, February time because that was that was really good for us and it's a little bit more 
warmer weather than we would get at home in frozen frozen pitches so I've planned some training in and around the club season uh, but I haven't got any further than club season to be honest because I, I have absolutely zero communication as to what uh, the tournament schedule will look like for us uh, in our world ranking position obviously it'll be dominated next year by the Olympics anyway so as far as I'm planning we'll maybe have two or three series in the summer against uh, against an opponent probably from Europe again cost wise so we'll either travel to them or they'll travel to us we want to do I think a sort of summer series at home with with our men's team so we get men's and women's matches happening one after the other a bit like what Pro League looks like so that'll be really nice and we've had some really great support down in Cardiff for our recent test matches so uh, that's what I'm aiming for the summer to look like but I mean beyond that we, we don't actually know how it's going to work at all which is slightly nervy because you know you get your budgets through and you and you're planning for you do certainly plan for the next sort of 12 months at least or an 18 month period and there's nothing really concrete to go on at the moment. Well, just on, on those budgets, and I'm sure this would be of interest to the listeners, uh, how does it work when you, when you travel away or when you host somebody? What cost do you, do you bear or what cost, cost does the, the host bear with stuff? Oh, I mean, it depends on, depends on where you're at. Sometimes, you, I mean, you're, most of the time you'll have to foot your own bill for everything. So if we were to go across to a European country, we would be literally looking at the cost of 24 flights, 18 players and six, six staff. We'd be looking at 24 flights on whatever carrier we can get to the destination on, trying to find the cheapest price possible. Um, the Obviously, the, the opposition... Um, the opposition governing body might help us out with suggested accommodation and then they might even have a deal or maybe not with with um, the people who, who give the accommodation but we still have to pay for all of that a trip costs a lot of money so you know if we do one it's interesting before the um we've got a double tournament year this year with with the seniors so we've got valencia and we've got our europeans and because it's a double tournament year um, and we don't want to charge the players any further costs than we already do. Um, we've had 12 training days this year and we'll basically end up in tournament and match series for about 33 days. So our whole program is 45 days. Yeah. <laughs> a year, which is, which is not a lot when you consider, you know, a lot of the time in these tournaments you plan against sides that, that have a lot more resource and, and train a lot of the time, if not full time, some of them. So, you know, those, one trip could cost you, I don't know, 20, 30,000 pounds at, at the very least, I think, depending on flight costs, times of travelling and stuff, how, how long you're there, accommodation, all the extra costs as well, extra baggage that you might have because you've got some people with some pretty big bags and, 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 you know, and all that sort of stuff and the, the funny one is always got about 70 hockey balls and you're having to put like one ball in everybody's bag and stuff <laughs> get all that at an airport and uh, so you get all those things but it, it really isn't easy and uh, and I think that obviously travelling anywhere has a massive cost to it and uh, and this is what I worry about and I God knows how a lot of the pro league countries have been able to fund um, fund their trips because that's that that's that times about 50 for, for them so it's an Olympic qualifier Kevin Olympic qualifier we'll dip yes. into the we'll dip into some of them Olympic funds won't we <laughs> yeah exactly but that, that's the thing it's so difficult for, for countries and that, that's the nervy thing about Pro League too I don't know how if they are thinking about doing that I have no idea how they're going to plan that because that's going to be quite a cost to, to a lot of nations even very keen nations will, will have to you know find a way and again when sponsorship sponsorship's really difficult to get hold of you know we've been trying
trying to find a team sponsor for a long time and um you know and, and some every now and again we get one we haven't got one currently at the moment so it, it's really really difficult and then as i said what hope do we have if the pro league couldn't even find a sponsor <laughs> yeah you don't need one mate it's a family game family game <laughs> <laughs> we it's just hope Nana dies real quick and leaves us that inheritance. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> now, Jonas, before we let you go, there's obviously the one big important question: bring back the bully. Oh, do you know what? Yes, and I see it regularly on a Saturday at the standard that I'm playing at, which is which is fantastic. And if in doubt, the umpires just say bully, which is wonderful. Brilliant. So, um, a, a lost a lost art from the game, I think. But yeah, I. Uh, I enjoy a bully. Nobody that seems to still know how to do it. Um, so I think some instruction on the bully might be might be really important. Um, some people still like to go for the uh, three taps of the stick and then play, and then some just do the one and play um, the short form of the game, as I like to call it. <laughs> <laughs> so there, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a test match version of bully and a very much a one day version. Of bully. Um, does so, does uh, the test yeah. match version does that include having to say hockey one, hockey two, hockey three? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, audio, audio available as well. Yeah. Um, but yes, very much. Bring back the bully. Uh, some some lost arts of the game, and also the chuck and run. That's um, oh. one of the ones that I I laugh at with the coaching. Is uh, you know, you're trying to teach these sort of fancy skills and tight control, and then every now and again you see the old classic, yeah. just chuck it past the player and run. Yeah. And yeah. I've seen some some of those beauties on the pro league as well, and uh, it's it's great. And some people call it anti skill. I, know, I call it. I call it moving up that pitch towards that magical circle. Yes, yeah, yeah. So, I agree. Circle. I agree because I have absolutely no skill, and it's the only way I go around a player. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the chuck and run. Uh, bring it back. Uh, all guns blazing, as well as the bully. All right. Hashtag chuck and run. We'll, we'll log it down. I'll write it down now, John. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I like the three right. tap personally. I'm a bit of a, a, a bit old school there, and it might be an you opportunity. Keep, keep for the drama us. going. Yeah, it might be an opportunity to make some money at training. Not too many people know. How I mean. Yes, yeah, and I'll tell you in the in the in the in the video sense now as well. Uh, it'd be good to see a few um a few classic chuck and runs being sent into you guys. Would be uh, would be fantastic. And who's done the longest chuck and run as well? <laughs> who's, who's thrown the ball the furthest past the defender and still got got the ball at the other end of it? I'm, uh, one of my teammates has sent me a challenge of a scoop. I've, 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 you know, the, the, the overhead is on the forehand side and all that sort of stuff. I've, he knows what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. The, the good old fashioned yeah. scoop. Yeah, between the legs. No, no, on, oh, on the, between the legs. Yeah. On the backhand. Oh, With a change oh. of grip. Change of grip. Do you change your hands around to get more scoopage? Oh. Uh, no, I don't, because I'm left-handed anyway. He's gesticulating here right. at the moment. The ball, one's just gone over my head. Yeah. <laughs> it hasn't no, come no. down yet. I'm practicing. I knew it. I knew a player when I was growing up playing and uh, again on the, the hollow grass surfaces who would change his hands around to do that scoop because he reckoned it would get uh, a lot more leverage out of it. I mean, uh, yeah, so but, but we're it, trying anyway. It looks natural with a, with a cacander as well. Yes, yeah, it yeah, does. It definitely does. But anyway, it does. There we go. I'll, I'll, if I get vision of it, Kevin, I'll send it to you. All right, but yeah, shout yeah, out for please. the listeners there. Kevin set the please challenge do. there, and uh, yeah. Chuck and run hashtag Chuck and run. Send in your uh, your video to where'd you send it to, John? Facebook, uh, Instagram, yeah, Twitter, all that. Reverse stick, tag us in, yeah, perfect. And tag Kevin. Yeah, I want to see some. I wanna, yeah, I want to see some good Chuck and runs. So show that it's not a dying art. The challenge has been set. Oh. Well, I tell you what, it's not skill that gets you by in our grade. It's definitely the Chuck and run. Okay, brilliant. What a, what a pleasure to have you on. Do you, anything else you want to cover? You got anything anything for us? 
No, I just, uh, just an absolute delight, guys. Um, uh, I've, so I've listened since the very first episode. Um, I do a lot of miles in, uh, in my hockey job. <laughs> and, uh, uh, every time the reverse stick podcast is on, it's great. And so I've always appreciated getting back to the most important parts of the game. You know, we love the game. Sometimes, you know, a few of us have to take the game quite seriously in our roles. But if you really love the game, some, some of the great stories that you get all the way through different levels are great. And, um, as I said, some of the stuff uh, I listen to, some of the great stories that come into you some of the interviews are wonderful and uh, I'm delighted you guys are, are past 100 and um, and many more and uh, I shall keep myself entertained on all the trips with uh, with listening and um, you're doing a great job so thank you very much for what you give back to the game you know, you're, you're back again you are good at this feedback <laughs> stuff aren't you I'm glad you didn't have to let us down <laughs> or maybe you were maybe we haven't worked that out yet <laughs> it's good <laughs> Oh, thanks for your time, time, Kevin, and good luck with the, the Wales girls, and uh, we'll be following Thank your you. journey. Yeah, enjoy, enjoy Turkey and Glasgow. I'm sure the right. kebabs are equally good in both places. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you know. Yeah, I'll let you know. Um, thanks, guys. That's great to catch up. You are listening to... You are? The, or am I? Uh, am I? Who's listening? The people at home. Who's listening? The person at home. Shh. Just you. You're listening. I think so. Okay. Nobody, so, okay, uh, nobody left there to listen. <laughs> you are listening to the Reverse Seat, the Global Hockey Podcast. Podcast. Great to have John on, on board, wasn't it? Fantastic. Great to know that he's one of the four listeners. <laughs> yes. No, he's, he deserves uh, a badge. He does. Every episode. I was nice hearing that. Believe it. Um, totally Pro League get a mention in there from him too. Yeah, but well, there you go. Two listeners for that. <laughs> yeah, we well, powering it. Powering it. Uh, good fella, good hockey person, uh, interesting conversation. Yeah, some great stuff brought up there. I think, yeah, hopefully you found that some interest, dear listener. Uh, what else we got going on, mate? Oh, just, oh, can we, uh, have a drum roll? Introducing our latest Patreon subscriber, Yay. John. A big shout out to Mr. Stephen Finlater, fifth me- mention in the show. Oh. Findo's jumped on board. He's went to patreon.com forward slash the reverse stick and decided he wanted to buy us a beer. And you can do that, listeners. Just head to that address, patreon.com forward slash the reverse stick, and help us out to support our uh, um, much-laboured, loved hockey podcast endeavours. Yep. It's not cheap, you know. See see what happens when you become a Patreon supporter? Drag flick quotes you. Yeah. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, I've got lots. I've got lots of things written down Go here, John. On, quick, you mentioned uh, something. About are we gonna, what? Are we winding up? Are we? Yeah. Well, it's over an hour now. Oh, we probably should. All right. I'm going to run through it really, really quickly. Uh, t- uh, two new podcasts out: Hockey uh, de- uh, Development Talk, episode yep. 28, just out, and Hockey 24/7, episode 18, both both out. Well, Check no, those no, out no. and uh, respective peoples. Find find them uh, on uh, yeah your favourite podcast app, uh, or you find them on Twitter. We do reposts and retweets and things like that. Uh, yeah, Hockey One fixtures are out in Australia. Um, well, they came out. We're not Hockey Two and Hockey Three fixtures coming. Well, they, <laughs> they came out, and then they came out again today. I oh, did they? <laughs> yeah, with some timing amendments on them, so <clears throat> maybe some issue with the broadcasters on those original things. But apparently, there is broadcast coming on KO Sports. Can't wait to get behind the Perth Thundersticks and the Tassie Tigers. Oh. I heard something interesting about the broadcast too. Um, coaches, it will oh. be on KO. Yep. But um, I'm going to ring my my boss because apparently 
people I do the sound for have something to do with it. Oh, oh right, I fantastic. I might have some more information later on. Oh, good stuff. Um, and yeah, so memberships are, are, are out today uh, for those clubs. Um, John, explain to the listeners what traditionally a membership would be to a sports club that you're following here it in Australia. It would mean you get to vote. Okay, so you pay a for annual subscription. Annual subscription. Yeah. subscription. Yeah, easy for and, you to uh, say. Yeah, it is. And, um, yeah, when they have an AGM, you get to vote for people like who's going to be the president of the club and who's going to be the treasurer of the club. Okay, so this could be maybe setting the 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 footings for a more independent franchise no. model. No. No. Do you think it is? Oh, I'm just asking the question. I'm just trying to understand what the, what the membership is, John. The, well, I'm, I'm asking. Not being, I'm well, not being why, facetious. Why are you asking me? Because because you, you're you aware of the mem- you should be aware of the membership model. Yeah, but I don't, this isn't a membership model. This is a, a well. Secret. Memberships are available today, John. So no, I'm just no, telling oh, you. Look, okay. Let, let's differentiate between what what is a membership in a constitutional sense and what is a membership in a marketing sense. Okay. Okay. So a marketing sense membership is uh, you buying a ticket to go to a game every week. So you get the games and and a sticker and a bobble hat. Yeah. Yeah. Might get a t-shirt. Depends. Uh, a, a membership in a constitutional sense gives you rights as as a member to vote in things like annual general meetings. Okay. All right. Well, thanks. That's boring. Move on. Okay. Um, but yeah, more to come on Hockey One as that approaches. Uh, what else we got here? Sean well, McCalin back into the GB squad after a 17-month absence, which is them. good to see. Straight uh, straight back in. Me. Yeah, Andy Halliday. Ah, yes, Hockey for Heroes, Operation Olympus, hashtag Op Olympus. Yep. And uh, Andy's got a very extensive interview with Ashley Morrison in the next Not the Footy Show Brilliant. podcast. It'll be coming out in a day or so because I sent him the uh, final edit tonight. So uh, that'll be coming out very shortly. But yeah, and check, check out Hockey for Heroes on Twitter, on um, Facebook. Um, and th- the legs. There's, yeah, there's links to the Just Giving page uh, if you follow those links. And the, the guys are over there at Base Camp. Was that right? They're in somewhere. They're dribbling a in lot that direction. Uh, I wonder if they'll. Is, do you reckon there'll be any push and run throughs from Andy, what? or is he going to dribble the whole way? You mean chuck and run? Chuck and runs. Chuck, you reckon yeah. he'd be throwing a few chuck and he runs? He should do some chuck and runs. Yeah. Yeah. It might. You know, break oh, it wouldn't be good if you're listening, Andy, and I'm, we know you are. <laughs> um, just uh, a little bully at the summit or at the hi- your highest point with some video footage with hashtag bring back the bully. We'd really appreciate that. A good luck to Andy and everybody involved with that endeavour. It's fantastic. What else you got? Um, I've got some feedback for you on shot clocks. Oh, yes. Do you want to hear that? I'm glad, we've stopped, we'll do- I'm glad we've stopped doing the feedback thing because we never really got any feedback. And, and now we have got now feedback. Now we've got some feedback. I can play it again. No, no, no have you got it? I might have it somewhere. Well, no, no, you, you don't, because you said it every time. You didn't. You didn't hey. There's not an actual sting. Yeah. What? Yeah. Listen. Robbie. Listen. I can. Ah. Oh, you, it was. It was a really. That's good. I forgot. <laughs> forgotten all about that. Um, okay. Facts for you. Uh, this is with regard to your comments. On oh, the lack of the shot clock. Uh, so, so throughout at uh, Wagner, a fifth umpire would come out at the end of the tied game 
to time the eight seconds. This would be someone not listed on the appointment and presumably not on the match sheet. Uh, they did it in the old school way, stood off to the side with a technical officer with their back to the play, started a handheld stopwatch when the controlling umpire blew their whistle and blew their whistle at eight seconds. That's why they needed the sound for the video umpire on the replay, which was obviously, this is in relation to the, the Aussie girls shootout in the final. The sound was there, but in slow-mo. It's indistinguishable from the crowd noise and obviously isn't the same as a clock that ticks over. It has a soft start, if you will. So you basically couldn't hear on the, on the slow-mo replay, but there was somebody there tasked to do the job. Now, there wouldn't be an issue if there was a shot clock because you could see the shot clock, obviously. Everybody well, could see the shot clock. But off. it's not, but it's not that it was just left up to the, one of the two umpires that were officiating to, to make that decision. And I don't have an issue with any of the umpires or the officials that were involved on the ground, but, you know, basketball's had shot clocks for how long? How long has there been a basketball shot clock? Um, Technology is easily available. Nineteen uh, twenty, I think it was twenty-six <laughs> when it when it first came in. Look, they've had they've and had. And then they amended. No, they amended the rules right. again in fifty-five. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that that's anyway. That's your that's feedback for you. Oh, good. Anyway, I'm glad. Yeah, yeah. No, that that that's. And what I like about feedback, John, is that people tell you what the issue is, and it gives us an opportunity to put it right considering how often I'm wrong I'm surprised by how little feedback we get yeah well it just means there's nobody listening <laughs> probably does <laughs> or paying attention one of the two no, don't worry if there are people listening are they listening yeah you sure yeah I thought you said there was not many anymore no <laughs> no, no, no not the FIH oh, okay. we, are, we are only getting I think four listeners in Lausanne at the moment from what I've seen on, on the stand we got four yeah yeah, Ooh, yeah, yeah. That? no and you Thierry no. Dr B no, FIH just they all gather round. Oh. gather round the uh, the crystal the crystal <laughs> there. Tune in. They, they 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 listen to the Goon Show first and then us afterwards, do they? <laughs> Very good. What else have we got, big fella? Oh, I think that's about it for me Is this it? week. Yeah. So I can I can play the outro. Yeah, you can play it, and if I think of I'm anything as, we, as we're going along. I've done that already. Um, oh, uh, Premier Hockey League draft <laughs> has just taken place. Oh. Where did that got loud, didn't it? Um, Premier Hockey League draft has just taken place in South Africa. Uh, so, yeah, next version, round of PHL is coming up. Be good to get our eyes on that. Go the daisies. Yes, go the daisies. Hashtag Pigwood, Pigwoody. What are you doing on your weekend off? Uh, what am I doing? Oh, oh, I'm going to watch the footy tomorrow night. You'll be working. I'll be sitting in the crowd. Uh, I've got absolutely no interest whatsoever, but I wouldn't mind looking at the new stadium. So, you know, it's worth worth a trip for that. I've got a free ticket. Um, Eat before you go. No, no, yeah, okay, right. <laughs> no hockey on Saturday. Bit of work on. Uh, yeah, we've got a hockey-free weekend. Yeah, hockey-free weekend. Be nice. I won't know what to do. No, well, I haven't got the strategy trying to organise any teams, which is good. Uh, but I will be doing some work on uh, getting into this bright, shiny new stadium, John. Exciting times, mate. Catch you soon. Hello. What do you bring you? Morrison? Yeah, what do you bring you? He's just back from Europe. He obviously oh. went to Pro League games, didn't he? Mate. Do we get some, do we get Pro League caps? 500 episodes. You'd think it would mean something, wouldn't you? Do we get a scarf? Pro League scarf? Mate, I didn't even get any Swindon Town merchandise. Oh.
don't know what he's thinking. Rude. 